Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Say Something Interesting, the follow-up podcast from East Lake Tri Cities in Eastern Washington. My name is Brent. With me, as always, is our friend Margot and a special guest today. We try and bring in special guests every once in a while. It's like the prize in your cereal box. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things. Oh, crack! Remember, did you ever get Cracker Jacks? Yes. Okay, but the the prices like the were prices lame dropped. by the time. Oh, totally. They you were used like to tattoos. get like plastic rings, and then yeah, then it was a temporary Garbage. tattoo the size of your fingernail. Yeah, I don't know what I expected to show up in a little like one inch box, but. Uh, I expected more than whatever I got. Anywho, all that to say, we have a special guest with us today. Uh, her name is Kat Swick. She has been a part of East Lake. You, uh, help me out here, Kat. You came back when we were at the high school, mm-hmm. long time ago. Yep. You're from Tri Cities. No, I'm actually from Idaho. You're from, that's what I said. It just <laughs> sounded like it. I have an accent, so it makes it sound like I said Tri Cities. Uh, from Idaho. So, what brought you to Tri Cities then originally? Um, I started a clothing line with my friend Libby. And, that's right. Yep. So, we moved to Tri Cities. That's, that's right. That's where you start clothing lines, and you know? Oh, uh, yeah. Fashion <laughs> capital of America. That's right. Little did people know. Yep. Uh, <laughs> So L.A., that would be hilarious if you made a shirt that said L.A., New York, Milan. Chicago, Pasco. <laughs> and we started in Pasco. So I that's would the best totally part. buy that shirt. Versace. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you came to the Tri-Cities. You found East Lake somehow. Um, uh, probably written on a bathroom stall somewhere or something like that. <laughs> Gary Lau. Gary Lau. There you go. And uh, so Gary invited you. You came. And then a couple years in, you were working at Starbucks. And mm-hmm. you kind of came to me, I think, at some point and said, hey, I'm going on this. I'm going to go do full-time missions with AIM, which is uh, ambition. You can follow up and, and tell us a little bit more about what, what AIM is. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to go to Cambodia. And I'm going to continue to do clothing line work. But I'm going to do it for the purpose of not developing my own personal brand, but kind of creating a brand that where all of the proceeds goes to help uh, pull women out of the sex slavery industry in Cambodia, which is absolutely phenomenal. Give us a little insight. That was how many years ago now? So that was um, about, it'll be like three years in September that I left. So um, that I left Trace Cities to go. So, and, yeah. and I remember when you left, you're like, I think it's going to be one year, maybe two years. <laughs> and now it's like, And uh... yesterday I saw you at church and I was like, and you surprised me, by the way. You just walked through the doors and I was like, whoa, what are you doing here? And uh, then I said, so what's the future? When do we get Kat back? And you're like, hmm, maybe never. We'll see. Because <laughs> um, you're still over there and, and loving it and, and feeling yeah. like you're making some. some. So t- tell us, give us a little update. I mean, mm-hmm. so some of the people here, uh, if they were here three years ago, uh, perhaps are on your even support team because you yeah. you've got a support line through here. People give to uh, Where Love Cambodia. Any Where Love Cambodia income goes to Cat, um, and then she also has tons of support from places that she's lived and family members uh, all around. So um, that's been really cool to see. By the way, I like yeah, the financial backing of people who support you, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but uh, give us an update. What, what's <laughs> what's three years been like? What's what's new? What's on the horizon? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's been crazy. So I work for Agape International Missions or AIM. And they're an anti-trafficking group. Um, Originally started to really focus on child trafficking because that was a huge epidemic in Cambodia about 12 years ago. Um, IGM um, did a huge raid and um, shut down all of the brothels in this area called Swai Pak, and they were all child brothels, so anywhere ranging from 3 to 12-year-olds. Huge destination for uh, pedophiles and um, like child sex tourism. It's really disgusting. And so um, 
But with that, after the raid, it's just not like things are going to change overnight. You have a community that's really broken, a lot of drugs and gambling and other things involved, and you've just taken their main source of business away. So AIM has gone in, and we um, we have a school. So we work with um, four areas, prevention, rescue, restoration, and reintegration. So we have like a school that does um, – because the school system is not great in Cambodia. So being able to educate is really how we see of stopping um, this epidemic because then you can get a good job, they can bring money home to their families, and they're educated in the form of, like, selling your children isn't a good option. Yeah, this isn't good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, and then we have, like, outreaches like our Lord's Gym, which um, reaches out to more of, like, the pimps in the situation because – they need Jesus just as much as um, the victims in itself. Like, well, there's a reason they're selling them. Um, I don't think as humans that's our first thought is to sell another human. I would hope not. So what brokenness they've been through. And so we have Bible studies and um, fighting is a really good um, career in Cambodia. You can make a lot of money and it's very well, like, respected. It's, it's just like the MMA fighters. You know, like, here it's um, it's like a craze. So... Um, that's been really cool to see that develop. And then we have um, a SWAT team that um, does our raids and works with the anti-trafficking police. We um, do a lot of, we provide a lot of training and we f- we fund a lot of the raids and things like that for um, the government. So we work really closely with them. And um, How's that relationship with them? It's really good. Yeah. They're, we've, they're very supportive. I think um, but, um, they've been uh, really like, that relationship has been really great for AIM and just a lot of with tensions and things that go on with um, countries and different things. It's They've been great and really supportive. And um, we have very low like tip-offs because it's a really great group of guys that are in that nas- that um, trafficking force um, with the National Police and, and stuff. So that's been awesome to watch that grow and see the training. Um, people have donated time. FBI agents come over and do training. They do like combat and they've provided the, the vests, the bulletproof vests for them. And it's been really, really amazing to see how f- that's been able to pour into I that. I feel like I remember that IGM raid 12 years ago mm-hmm. and the government actually like realizing the problem was worse than it actually was. Like you kind yeah. of like, I don't know, sometimes if, if like on a personal level, if you're sick or <laughs> you're out of semester or whatever, and then somebody comes over, or, you know, your doctor comes to you and says, hey, this is like really high. You're like, oh, I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was that bad. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I remember it felt like for, and I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm standing outside of it. I just remember reading stuff yeah. about this going, yeah. them actually going, okay, we do have a problem. We got to do something about yeah, this. Yeah, and they've, it's been amazing. Cambodia actually has some really great laws for like when tra- trafficking cases um, to get someone through trial, to get convicted, like they, they've really great built a great, um, system for that. Um, people don't just get off for, you know, for loopholes or something. They've, they've really built a a solid system with a lot of help and people really investing time into that, um, um, system. And so so your work right now, you are, uh, you have a clothing line. Mm Mm-hmm. People from the states can order uh, shirts and clo- and and uh, you talked about uh, not yeah. togas. What are you what are you making? Uh, kimonos. kimonos, kimonos. Thank you. <laughs> Clothes, yeah. canvas togas. bags, totes, the, all all these yeah. kind of things. T-shirts. If you're doing like a race or an event, or we do orders as small as like 24 custom tees, we cut, sew, and print, um, and ship. And so that's been a huge part. So I work in reintegration. So we have our 
restoration home, which is where our rescued girls go and they get counseling and we have social work and everything. And then when they're ready to graduate from that, you can't just send them home because there was a reason they were being trafficked in the first place, usually because their families needed money or whatever. So we have our three employment centers. Um, so they can be placed in a home or employment center if they choose. And they're taught on the job training. Um, they are given full health care benefits. They still have counseling follow-up, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and just a place for them to grow and be accepted back into their communities because there's so much shame involved with what the work they were doing. But if they have a good job, they're respected and they're bringing home money to their families and people see that and honor that. So it's been really cool. So I am a product developer. So I develop like all of our patterns for the kimonos. I've redone the t-shirt fit The um, we're doing, like I'm working on polos this summer. I've done tote bags, all of that kind of stuff. It's a really random way to use my giftings and stuff I was actually doing in the Tri-Cities that I wouldn't be able to do had I not had that time with my clothing line here. And um, being able to just equip them to be, because they're, they're very skilled sewers. And a pattern is where a lot of the mistakes can happen. And so being them to be like, really proud of what they do. So I try to give them the best product I can so that they can do their best work. Um, and then also the better yeah. selling the product, the more jobs you can exactly. create. And when people like, like our t-shirts used to be really rough. If anyone has one from the, the run for rice um, days. You guys didn't see that, but she just hit the microphone <laughs> into her face and then just kept right on trucking through like a pro. That's right. The That's first my part life wasn't in very Cambodia pro, is. but that part was pro. <laughs> Continue you going. know, smooth right in. But um, we had a lot of like quality issues with necklines and things like that. And just cleaning that stuff up and just um, doing that. It's, I mean, we, our sales are like up over 400%. Where um, our t shirts, we found really great, super comfortable fabric. People love them. People are like, we have a couple big churches that order like 8,000 shirts from us for like, you know, it's just amazing to see. Um, and they, you know, they, they really care about making sure they have a good quality product. It's a lot of people it's going to. Um, and they love them. So it's been really encouraging to see how those little changes have really impacted and grown our business because, you know, people will buy something, but you don't want a pity buy. You want them, yes, they're supporting a good cause, but if it's something that they love and they're excited about, then they're going to go tell people about it. And then you're going to have more people buying. And then it's Dually awesome because it's supporting a great cause. It's helping. It's tangibly helping people. People always ask me, how can I help? I'm like, you can buy our stuff because it's creating a sustainable business um, to help these girls long term. So cool, man. And here's what I love about what you're doing is uh, it's not like <laughs> like some guy, you know, some people can go on a website, upload an image and be like, yeah, <laughs> I made these T-shirts, right? Uh, no, you didn't. You uploaded an image and somebody else put it on a T-shirt. You are literally... Probably in a factory where they were underpaid and had probably. bad, <laughs> yeah. bad You are literally going to a market, finding like the fabric that's going to be so, you know, and all, I mean, you're like doing it from the base. You are literally making a T-shirt. Like right? literally, like I was actually just in Vietnam last week, yeah. Um, meeting with our fabric um, manufacturers and talking about like how our fabrics knitted down to like the, you know, the fibers they're using and what other options they have available and how we can like make it better. 
So, and how to make, like, we have this new line 22, um, and it's, you know, like, how can we make that fabric stronger? Because it's amazing. I wore it for 24 days without washing, and I didn't smell. Like, in Cambodia, in, like, 80% humidity and 104 weather. Like, <laughs> and it does not smell. Like, it's amazing. But I was like, I want to make it stronger so it doesn't pill as much and things like that. And being able to go and actually work with them. And then, yeah, we bring it back to I needed factory. that fabric last well, what, there's Friday some online, I needed it the last Sunday. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, without this air. Yeah. <laughs> Drinks or drink shirts next year. <laughs> next year, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it's pretty crazy. Totally sourcing it. And we were talking mm-hmm. downstairs. I was making some coffee for us before we came up here about the market that you go to. Yeah. Uh, and and where you buy this fabric. And, and it's, I said, is it kind of like Pike Place, but like more than that? And you're like, on steroids more than that. Like, yeah. can't walk. You have to walk sideways through because there's so many people. You and don't want to get hit by the pig head. And <laughs> big head lots of those going around the pikes guts. too yeah uh and uh so it's just it's just it's really cool to see like the process on it and, and you mentioned like you know so i you uh, had some people kind of taking some photos for you and and you know should you, you want to buy this and put it on hold but sometimes you just got to go and you even got to like just feel the fabric i love that that's like yeah that's like craft kind of stuff mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah so and, and i quality is like hugely important to me so that's why i like I would love to be able to send someone else to go pick out the fabric, but I want to make sure um, that it's awesome, that the prints are what will sell. So we're being wise with our finances as well. Um, a lot of you know people are putting um, funds into AIM and different things like that. So being able to make sure what we're buying is going to sell so we don't have sitting inventory and being good stewards of our business as So well somebody listening to this podcast goes, all right, I'm in. I want to try this out. I want to support you, but I also really want – to wear some cl- the, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the, f- the 10 day forecast in the tri-cities <laughs> i need me some clothes hot, that don't so. make me stink <laughs> yep. uh what, where do they go what's the website okay. so 22clothing.com is going to have our spelled really, out or two numbers oh, sorry two numbers so two two and then uh, clothing.com and that's going to have our awesome antibacterial shirts that um are literally the most comfortable things you've Ever worn. I'm not just saying that. Like they feel like you're wearing pajamas. I worked for 24 oh. days and I didn't get Margo sick of wearing them. Over there, <laughs> she's got her hands raised. And they're great because they're like they're a unisex cut, but we dropped the shoulder litter, so they still look great on ladies. And they're kind of more trendy for men. So even, but but at the same time, my dad can wear them. So they're a good blend. I feel like multi generational. Now you're speaking my language here. Dad bought a brand. Yeah. Yep. And you can also get our bracelets on there that tell the story behind 22. So cool. Um, and then you can um, go to aim apparel. I'll spell out. There's no numbers in that. <laughs> .com or .org. And they will, um, that will have like our kimonos. Any of the market fabric that I buy where I go and pick it all out, those are the products. So We will do our best to put links in our <laughs> There'll be links in here. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so those are the two tangible ways um, that you can really support and help. And and if you want custom t-shirts, you can, we can put in an email that you can send and we can do those for you too. And she's not going to talk about it, but I am. You can also support Cat <laughs> directly because in doing the other work, you're supporting kind of the ministry, which is great and something that she would probably be like, you should definitely do this. You should definitely do this. Uh, but uh, I want to make sure that I get behind people who are doing good things uh, in the world that I can't do because I'm in, I'm landlocked in one place, right? Can't be in, in, and so I want to be able to support people like that. And uh, Kat's one of those people that uh, we, we, uh, we love that she's uh, 
I'm not from here. We already cleared that up, but like from here, you know, you're yeah. one of us. And uh, so <laughs> if you're interested in supporting Cat directly, um, you can go to our give page, eastlaketricities.com slash give. In the drop down menu of that, there's a Wear Love Cambodia. Um, every single penny that comes into that thing goes directly to Cat. Um, we are kind of a filter for her and in, in make that's why it comes through here just so that she doesn't have to mess with the details of all of that. I literally also run text a to check give. to the bank. Which is amazing. And uh, yeah, I feel if you are a text to giver, that is a drop down option with text to that give. Is, yeah, and you can set up recurring gifts and, and support her in that way as, as uh, what she's doing over there. Which is so. providing professional training and insight and getting these girls on their feet. That's and, right. So cool. Helps pay and my it, rent. Thank you guys. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that little wonderful. motor that you drive around too. That's right. Yeah. Pull all my fabric on. <laughs> absolutely. So cool. Thanks for coming and sharing your story. Yeah. You're going to stick around and, and uh, walk through. You actually attended service on Sunday mm-hmm. as well. So you've probably got some decent insights into Amazing. message stuff. We just finished up our three-part series, The Comparison Trap. It was entirely Margot's series from top to bottom, idea-driven, all that stuff. And uh, it was uh, it was awesome. And so uh, a little bit of a chance to, like we do every week in this podcast, recap some of the things that uh, we liked about it, uh, give whoever sp- spoke that weekend a chance to say, here's maybe some stuff that I had to cut just for sake of time or it just didn't fit the overall thing, but I felt like it was interesting. So uh, Margo, just general take on it. How'd you feel about walking away from a three-part series? Um Good. Yeah. Like, I'm glad I don't have to uh, sweat it out as bad for the next couple weeks, but... Uh, it's hot up there in the lights, isn't it? It's And I gave you the three roasty. hottest weeks, and then we're getting our AC fix this week, so... How convenient. Man, it worked out great for me, you guys. <laughs> How convenient. <Yeah. laughs> I, I find it ironic that you got a cold... You have a cold right well, now. Okay, I need to throw down that I was not scheduled to preach in July. That's I true. was scheduled to preach in June, where I was entirely healthy. And now, I it's think true. this is like... Out of every time that I've preached, I feel like for some reason, 90% of those, I've had something going on. <laughs> like right now, my voice voice is like an octave lower. Yeah, you're going to everybody listening is like, that's not Margo. Listen, I know Margo's voice. That's not Margo. Um, I yeah. mean, I already kind of have a manly voice, but this is just like extra. It's like Amanda Bynes, she's the man worthy, like <laughs> some low tones. Going so you, you finished off the uh, story in Luke chapter 15, prodigal son. Yeah. Uh, the son comes home, uh, which is, you left it basically him in the pig slop going, I should go home last week. Uh, well, because he, like, I, I got him home. You did. Oh, and the dad saw him from a long ways yeah. off. And then the rest of the story is the older brother is coming home from a long day of work and sees that there's a party going on thinking, hey, maybe this is for me. That he wasn't invited to. Yeah. And then finds out it's for his little brother who came home, which is like, oh, great, um, because there's an inheritance issue now, right? If he invites him back into the family, then where's the money that he took? I mean, if he has the money, then I guess he's back in. But if he doesn't, then why are we letting him back in? It's going to cost me, basically, to invite him back into the family. And yet the father does it. And then so obviously he has some gripes. He goes to the, the dad and complains and says, what's this son of yours who wasted all his money with prostitutes? Which, by the way, it was kind of insinuated previously in the story, but he like expands on it. It wasn't really said Which that. part of me is like, how does he know? Like, or, yeah. or he just knows. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Or... We jump to conclusions when we're feeling on the defensive. And I mentioned in between services, I think this is a legit question and concern for so many people uh, is this question that this older brother poses to the dad. Shouldn't faithfulness and obedience be rewarded? Like He doesn't say that, but that's what he's saying. Anybody who's 
kind of tried to be good with their life. You know what I mean? Like, I think we all know younger brother. We have like younger brother friends from college who like dropped yeah. out and like they're like living their best life on playing beach volleyball and gambling in in you know uh, Cambodia. Perhaps I have no idea. <laughs> Probably. Um, you know, doing doing the. I like. I, I definitely have some friends who are doing that, and I'm like, that's cool. Great, go for you know, and I'm over here living dad dad of four life, different, very different, right? So or mortgage, like, like me, like my sister, like <laughs> she always lands on her feet. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned like, that before. Yeah, she like she's pushed the limit. Like she's really taken some risk. Uh, like she went to to school for occupational therapy, and then you know maybe maybe did some prodigal son life choices. Went went down to spring break, fell in love with the DJ, and never came back. This sister of mine. <laughs> I know, but like I love her, and like as a kid, like I had no idea of like the true scope of some of her choices because we're seven years apart. Uh, but like for all intents and purposes, people would have thought that like her choices would have like not panned out. But I mean, she is such a a hustler that even though the college thing didn't work out and she just moved to South Beach and was living it up, she hustled her way up from selling hosiery nylons at Nordstrom's to Mac makeup to Dolce and Gabbana. And then now, then Tom Ford, and now she's making almost six figures selling French perfume and traveling the world. And I'm just like, not fair, not fair. Like I got, thinking, right? I got student loan debt, and I'm, <laughs> you know, like pastors definitely aren't known for uh, for fun trips to London for our weekend training. Sure, you know? no, not a lot of those in our line of work. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. I think. You know, not everybody lives there, but I would guess that in the Tri-Cities, there are, that that leans more heavily, right? Because I think you go, if you went to like a bigger city like in LA, New York, you do have a lot of, like like that attracts the younger brother mentality. I'm going to come here. I'm going to make it big, man. All I got to do is get one good interview. Uh, you know, so I need somebody to look at these. I need my shot. These, yeah, these shots, these headshots, and then I'll be, I'll be just dandy, right? Um, if you're plugging away in the Tri-Cities, there's a good chance that, uh, you know, you're a little bit more settled than that and you probably have a little bit more of a, uh, older brother mentality. So shouldn't faithfulness and obedience be rewarded? And, uh, I remember reading a book, uh, by Tim Keller who wrote Prodigal God. And I think I did a series on it like four years ago or something like that, uh, about how the, both of these brothers were using the father for selfish purposes, Right. The younger brother wants him dead because I want you're just a means to money for me. You're a means to power and access that I wouldn't have without you. The older brother is doing the same exact thing. He's using the dad. He's he's blaming him for being so accepting and lowering the bar of reentry into this family. Um, basically, he is using him for his own uh, self justification, and I I want my goodness to be aware. Like I, I'm not even aware of the grace that's been extended to me. You know what I mean? And that was one of the pieces that, that, uh, we mentioned too, is as an, as a person who kind of leans older brother ish, I'm talking about I mean, me he's personally. a pastor. So you would think of, would of think, the two brothers yeah. probably falls into the, the licentious living would just not work with my line of work. You know yeah. what I mean? Kylie, Kylie Sorry, would not be cool with Marcus that. Marcus coming for me next week. I've got, uh, I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't know. You've been to Vegas quite a few times this year. That's true. (laughs) That's true. I do have a little, little brother in me. Anyways. um, So, uh, yeah. So in in that scenario, uh, we said, or I I sat there listening. I wrote question mark when you said, but we're not the elder brother. 
Like Jesus, the elder brother who, you know, welcomes him back because he's all, all good. And, and I put a question mark next to my notes. And I was like, I don't know, man. I really feel like I'm more elder brother than that. Like I push back on that. And because we don't we don't think that we're but like, a, I'm not that bad. But it's like, a false premise, too. Right. I mean, because then immediately you went into uh, we are not perfect. We are not this. We, we think that we're good. We think that we're faithful. We think that we're obedient. We give ourselves more credit than we are actually due. Uh, we have, we all have a younger brother in us. You know what I mean? At the really at the core of us, and it's 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 absolutely true. So, um, yeah, I mean, and you, the best thing about it is that like the only person that's qualified to act like the older brother, which is Jesus, like chooses instead to like not take that role at all. Like the only person that could call us out on our crap and like be upset about it instead is our biggest champion, and right. like you know cheers us on and welcomes welcomes us home. Yeah. Uh, and and the the idea behind the whole thing has been this idea of the older brother immediately fell into the comparison trap for himself, right? He began to compare his goodness to his brother's foolishness or whatever. So um, the the point of this has been uh, at the end application. Where are you finding yourself? Where are you finding? yourself being lost in comparison? Where is it creating a roadblock between you and other people, between you and God? Uh, and wh- where is it affecting kind of you? And so you mentioned to me uh, just right before we turned this recording on, you know, have you found yourself doing that? Because that's in week one, I it said... Makes you, it makes awareness of, oh man, I'm like Are you aware of this? your own comparison or your uh, propensity to compare? And every year we have a guys weekend we call Ballistic Lanza. And uh, it's, it's a combination of blissfulness, spectacularness, extravaganza. We call it blissfulness. Anyways, uh, we, there's about 10 college buddies that get together at either east side or west side. We bounce back and forth each year. Different activities. We usually go bowling, do laser tag, play poker. Uh, They've gotten less uh, athletic over the years. Oh, sh- or more. oh for sure. <laughs> it's a big game of game. Bliss one through four was nonstop activity. And just Rock constant climbing. energy and rock stars in the fridge. Uh, bliss 11, which is what this year was like <laughs> milk in the fridge. I mean, it was totally different. It was like, Hey, we'll just sleep until whatever we'll do, whatever we'll get to it. When are we doing that? Who knows? We'll get to it. Anywho, uh, it has changed. The conversation around the table has changed. Uh, a lot of these guys live in Seattle. Several of them have pretty significantly high profile jobs. One of them works in commercial real estate. Another with like a business thing. They're, their uh, their financial mindset, their the 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 language that they're using around the table. Oh yeah, totally bought into this, did this, sold this, invested in this. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and you sit around there, and immediately you're like, you asked the question a while back on on Facebook, what do guys most compare themselves with? And I think Sam McPeak or somebody responded with, you know, wealth management, reputation, reputation, and just really. Um, I want to be someone that people like go to being like, oh, he has it all together. Like he has, he has some answers to some questions I have. Yeah. Yeah. And net worth, that kind of mentality. Right. And so you're constantly doing this judgment on the table and trying to be like, okay, he sounds really smart with his money. So how, how do I, how do I go? What are you doing? Like, tell me what's the insights, you know? And I've just found myself not really, not really in that mindset normally, but in that moment and in that season for like three days going, all right, I got to get better at this. I got to start saving more, you know what I mean? Or, or or being smart with this. Anyways, that was just, for me, one of the immediate things where you, you do walk away going, oh, man, I should do better. I should 
I'm not as good as this is, as these guys are, which can be defeating, but it also can spur. Like I, I feel like for me, a lot of times it spurs me on to being like, all right, get off off your lazy butt and let's go do something different. You yeah, know what I mean? there's you have but, to be able to identify because comparison isn't all bad, right? When we're like, oh, I'm eating a lot more chocolate and saturated fats these days. Like I should probably you know, eat like this person eats, you know, just make better life choices. Comparison can spur you in a good direction, but it's more of like taking your temperature being like, why do I want to make these changes? And then am I letting, like making the decision to make better choices is one thing. But, uh, if it comes from a place of like self-loathing, it's probably like where you're going to end up is not good. Like you're just, even if you make better choices, like on the inside, you're going to be in a worse spot. So it's kind of identifying that. Now, Kat, I'm going to turn the mic to you. (laughs) Now, a lot of people would probably say like, wow, she's doing this selfless work and, you know, being like, I hate to use the word missionary because it's kind of like an outdated thing now, but she's like going and she's helping these women. Is there still like, be real with us. Does comparison still creep into your daily life? Oh, huge. And I think it's on, it's, I've never dealt with it from both. There I go again, hitting myself in the face. Um. <laughs> I wish you guys could see this. It's like an entertaining show. It's the show. third time. Like, <laughs> and she jumps. <laughs> it's jumping out of your seats. Um, I get it from like both angles where it's really uncomfortable because people come up to me. It's one of the hardest things about coming home because people come up to me and they're like, oh my gosh, what you're doing is so great. I can't believe you're doing this. Like, I could never do that. You're, And they like put you on this pedestal and you're thinking, oh my gosh, if you saw how I drove in traffic last week and how angry I was at like everyone, you know. And, and if you, you saw how much of my job is just like paperwork and, and yeah, boring. And like if you saw me at the market like sweating and being like, I hate life right now. Like, you know, because it's just life and I, it's more, this has felt like I'm more like just where God has wanted me and it fits. It don't feel like I'm doing anything ex- you know, special. So that's been hard because I don't want anyone to think I feel that way, but that's all I hear. And it, it's really hard because all I want to do is put myself down to them, but that's not also honoring. So it's like back and forth. But then on the same side, I'm like, okay, I'm 30. I, um, don't, I'm like not putting anything into my IRA or, you know, like retirement. I'm, you know, like living basically month to month. I like, you know, have a little bit in savings. But then I look at my friends that are buying houses, they have cars, they have, they're married, they have kids. And I love my life and what I'm doing. And I know it's where God wants me, but it's so easy to fall into that trap of like, oh my gosh, I'm 30. Should I get married? Should I have, you know, and it's like, that's not necessarily what I want in life right now. But that's like, I look at the world and I look at my friends on Facebook and all their lives. And I think, oh crap, I'm behind. And so I think I really struggle with that in moments of just like realizing that I have to like ground myself and being like, no, I love my life and I love what I'm doing and I love doing what God has called me to. And I know it's really unique and my gifting is really getting to serve him. But it 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 gets me every day. You know, someone will post something and you're like, oh, crap, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm 30 and I don't know like what I'm going to do. People ask me, what are you going to do when you get back? And I'm like, I have no idea. I don't even know when I'm coming back. (laughs) You know? So I think it's a huge, huge thing. And I I know a lot of my missionary friends and things like that, they all deal with it. It's, you know, it's a really big thing of, you know, because you're putting the American dream essentially on hold. Yeah. And it's not like we put it on hold for something 
worse. It's great. I love Cambodia. I love what I'm doing. I'm living my dream job. But somehow I can make myself think that I'm not living my dream job because of that comparing. And it's just like becoming having to like remember to ground myself. And and I know a lot of my friends, it's all it's we all struggle with the same thing. Yeah, for sure. Margo, any any for you? I mean, I feel like when I'm teaching, I uh, uh, I've been thinking about it longer. And also, I <clears throat> I do know that towards the end of a series, I'm usually done talking about it or thinking about it because I've been like, even though you've been doing it for three weeks, it's probably been on your mind for like six or seven weeks. That's oh, just I've how been I'm... like because there's been a uh, several books that I've used to prep for this, and so and, and like the count the preaching calendar changed. So like, really, this has been on my my head since like May. Yeah. Um. I don't like. I feel. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> I feel like um. This topic is something I totally struggle with constantly. And so I'm happy that God kind of like forced me, like pinned me down for a couple of weeks to really focus in and work through it. Because I always say, like when you're a pastor, when you preach something, the first person you're preaching to is yourself right? Um, to try to get that message across. So I'm like super appreciative for just the time and the space mentally and physically to like sit down and like pour through scripture and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think it's something I'm going to have to go back to. <laughs> continually to try to like take my temperature where I'm at. Like, I think I, I don't know if I said this on the podcast, like during week one, I was sitting in a coffee place working on my sermon. And then I looked up and I looked around and it was like a bunch of girls that had just come from the gym and all this stuff. And I'm just like, I am definitely the largest person in this entire space right now. And just that like, oh, that's like such an ugly thought. And like, I am literally have a pen in my hand <laughs> and I'm writing this yeah. thing about. Yeah. So, so stuff like that, like it still creeps up and it's still going to be something that you combat with. And like, I get, like, I just turned 30. So I think we, and me and Megan spent like a whole podcast talking about seasons of life and how it's hard when your season doesn't match all your friends' seasons and um, I think I've been better about um, trying to identify the blessings of the season that I'm in. Like the other day, uh, me and Matt are watching, binge watching American Pickers, which is like such a fun show. And then he's like, where's Iowa? You know, like, could we ever take a trip out there and like go to the shop? He's like, we have to spend 200 bucks and get something the size of a thimble, but it'd be fun. And in the back of my head, because I'm a woman thinking like, what if we start having kids and like, I'm not going to want to go on a road trip with a kid to Iowa. And then I was like, you know what, even if we don't have kids, like, like if like we're not able to, or all these things and like, it just doesn't happen in the time. And I'm like, that's great. Like we have all these extra years to go on adventures. And so I found myself like self-correcting instead of going in the spiral of what if, what if, what if. Um, and so I know for me, it's definitely been super helpful and super convicting. And, uh, there's a devotional that I named the series after that I didn't pull too much from. She has like a lot of really good questions to work through. It's Sandra Stanley. It's a Brent's man crush Monday, every Monday, Andy Stanley's wife. Right. Uh, the devotional is called the comparison trap. So it's easy to remember, but, uh, that's a great resource. If someone's like, I really want to like intentionally go through and sit on this a little bit more. Would totally recommend picking it up because she has some great like questions and self-evaluation stuff. That's really helpful to work through. Awesome. All right. Well, 
Uh, Kat, you're probably not uh, used to this, but at the end of every episode, we try and talk about something that we have found interesting, uh, something that we've watched, read, or experienced that we think is worth kind of talking about and uh, spend just a couple minutes. I'll invite you to do it, but no pressure. Uh, Margaret, okay. you want to go first? Sure. I know you're already prepared. You got it rocking My and notes rolling. look like really long, but I just want to get the facts right. So I heard this fun story about the Olympics in 1904. Uh, that happened, I had no idea, they happened in St. Louis. St. Louis. Really? Yeah. I did not know really that either. Cra- I, like, I was like, oh, like I just think of like Utah. Is that some- where the, ar- no, the arch is after that, I'm sure? It's, that probably was like a World's Fair thing right. or yeah, something. Right, yeah, World's Fair, yeah. Um, but they're talking about one event that happened, the, the marathon. And so they ha- the day that they held the marathon, it was 90 degrees. And the marathon track took them like, through the city, so they have all this like pollution and then a country road so all this dust and all these hills it wasn't an easy track they had 34 contestants from all over the world competing and only 14 actually made it to the finish line which is crazy because this is not just like your average marathon this is the olympics these are people that have spent years training for this moment and only 14 were able to finish and part of that was to blame on the guy that organized the event, this guy named James Sullivan. He was kind of an amateur scientist, and he had he had some curiosity that he wanted to scratch on. And so he he decided he wanted to try out purposeful dehydration to see like what the effects <laughs> oh my were. Gosh. So there was no water at the start line. And normally if you see marathons, there's people all along holding out cups of water to like give. He had no water for the participants until mile eleven. Because he was just wow. curious, like, oh, what's going to happen? And even the water that he did have, which I think is very fitting for what we're having this week, was uh, dirty and gave people dysentery. Oh, my, oh my goodness. goodness. So they are probably, like, dying to get to this water, and then they drink it, and it makes them sick. So uh, there's three people that of note that participated in this race. This first guy's name was Frederick Lors. Uh, he was experiencing severe muscle cramps from the dehydration. So he actually hitched a ride in a car to mile number 19 and then like casually slid his way out and ran the rest of the race with his like leg cramps competed and then people quickly figured out that he hitched a ride so he was disqualified the second guy of note was this guy named adrian carval he was a cuban national a former mailman and he stood out in in the crowds of people competing because he had this big billowy long sleeve shirt and work pants and work boots. Wow. Like everyone else is in like the super short shorts and like the tank tops. But this is like <laughs> what he delivered the mail in. So he's like, I'm just gonna. And he was a great athlete, actually. He had to raise his own money to go to the Olympics because Cuba wasn't supporting him. He, in fact, ran a 700-mile race across the entire country of Cuba to raise money to go. So he's kind of the underdog. And uh, halfway through the race, he got hungry. (laughs) So he ran off the track and ate some apples from an orchard, which were rotten, Uh and made him sick to his stomach. So he had to take a nap. Mid race, and despite like the apples, kind of despite the nap, he still managed to get fourth place. Probably because oh everyone else had like died. Wow! And then the last guy, the guy that ended up winning the race, was this guy named Thomas Hicks, who uh, was so ill that by the time he made it to the finish line, his trainers had to essentially carry him across the line. Which I'm like, how is that not his yeah, qualification? That's not, that's but cheating. Uh, but the reason why he was so ill, apart from the dehydration, uh, was that back then they had chemicals that they thought were enhancers to your muscles, like the early day steroids without the science to back it. And rat poison was seen oh as like gosh. possibly 
making you beefier, you know, endurance. So his team had eye droplets that they would like run out and he would take these drops of rat poison as he's running this marathon and being dehydrated during the race. He lost just during from start to finish on the race. He lost eight pounds. Oh my god! And uh, was hospitalized for weeks afterwards, but he won the gold. Oh, he oh made gosh. it across. So they said, uh, uh, James Sullivan, the organizer of the race, like will go down in history as like one of the worst Olympic organizers oh ever. Gosh. That sounds like a terrible Olympics event and a terrible Bliss event. That's it. What year was it again? Nineteen oh four. Oh my gosh! I just thought that was entertaining. <laughs> Classic. Uh, so mine has to do a little bit with uh, the financial side of things that we just talked about, uh, like or I mentioned at the Bliss thing. I, I came across a uh, a new app, if you will, that I think is pretty cool. It's called Robinhood. And uh, I don't know if you've ever like traded individual stocks before, but usually like a, a stock trader or a, um, uh, investment broker requires a fee? X amount of dollars per trade, which and it's like coming and going, right? So hey, it's four ninety five here, four ninety five to sell. So basically, you have to make at least ten dollars just to break even, which is tough to do if you're dealing with small numbers like I don't know Penny stocks all of us. <laughs> you know what I mean? The average Joe. <laughs> yeah, so you're trying to find like super low. I mean, the goal is at, at, at uh, a simple investor. I mean, the game is built for people with lots of money. You know what I mean? Like that's who it's built for. So anyways, uh, I don't know if you know the story of Robin Hood, but still from the rich give to the poor. Um, this uh, stock exchange thing is a zero. Uh, here's what I know so far, you guys. All right, I, I'm Brent not is being, trying to pull one over. No, I'm not being. Comes. Yes, exactly. I'm. I'm. I'm in the in uh, the early stages of investigating this. What I have found so far is it is a zero cost trade fee. However, they don't let you do it as active as maybe some day traders would like, and so that's kind of like. But if you're like willing to buy a stock and like hold it for a week, then that's great. Um, and they make their money by selling some Which options. Should be me because I would forget that I oh, bought a stock. Absolutely. <laughs> I just want like. I don't want to just put it in savings. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's got to be a little. I, I want. I like savings, but I need to have a little something more. And I need. I don't know. I'm not into it that much. I need to get better at it. And so this is a way for me to test the waters without like, like saving up a huge amount. And then 2009 happens, and I just lose it all. I just don't want that to happen. <laughs> so like, yeah. how do I how do I dip my toes in the water? Mm-hmm. And Robinhood app looks like I might be investigating that. So anyway, so get back to us if oh, you've shoot. used it before. I, and... Yeah, yeah. Let me know on this or it's too good or to be check true. it out for yourself. Uh, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not. I don't get money for referrals or anything like that. So I'm use, just telling use you. Offer code. <laughs> yeah. <just Brent> Johnson. <laughs> one beggar trying to help for another beggar find off. some bread. That's all it is, folks. <laughs> trying to help Cat uh, figure out the uh, 401k <laughs> investing. Right. Thanks, <laughs> and I'm gonna take this and apply it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. You got anything okay. for us? Yeah. Can I talk about that book? Yeah. That I said? Uh-huh. Okay. 100%. So I just finished reading. Um, I don't know if you guys know Trevor Noah. He's a late night host on Comedy Central. He's Hilarious. The best accent. South African oh. accents are the best. Took over the, in the Daily world. Show yeah. after John Stewart. Yeah, and he is phenomenal. He speaks like six languages. He's so smart. He's like just hilarious. Um, oh, I, I just have loved him. So my friend recommended his book he just came out with maybe a year or two ago. It's called Born a Crime. I think it was more recent than that. I think was it was it? like six months to a year. Okay. Yeah, yeah I yeah. can't remember. But um, I just read it last month, so I'm pretending it came out last month. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're kidding. so on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm so on it. Um, no, but just completely blew my mind. It's about um, – so he grew up in South Africa. During apartheid, which is when it was illegal for interracial marriages. Um, So his mom is black and his dad is white. And um, they 
I mean, it was literally against the law to have like sexual relations between um, color groups. So he um, was born. His dad is from Switzerland and his mom is um, from South Africa. And so he is what's considered like they call the colored group there. He's half and half. But there's actually a whole culture that is considered colored from when the Dutch um, landed in like the 16 or 1700s. Um, and so they're their own culture. And so he never fit anywhere. He wasn't black. He wasn't white and he wasn't colored. And so it's his journey. And he was illegal for 10 years. His like he couldn't walk down the street with his parents. He would have to like. His mom's friend would walk with him and his mom would walk behind them pretending to be their servant. Like crazy stuff like that. So it's just Which, absolutely like, fascinating. This is, he's not that old. So this no, is he's like, 34. <laughs> yeah. This is not yeah. like Guys, this is not 1706. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like 1994 is when apartheid fell and like yeah. Mandela got released and everything. And so I just had no idea all this fully was going on. In our lifetime. In our lifetime. Right. And it's like pure. they actually studied racism around the world and then picked their best things they thought worked the best and created a government system on that it was just insane but it's and he's hilarious because he's a comedian and it's actually really cool his mom is a really strong christian so he grew up going to church so he talks starts talking about going to church through the book pulls that through and ends on it i don't know where he necessarily is in his faith but it was cool to see someone that's that's prominent not being afraid to to talk about god and it's really i highly recommend the book is called born a crime yep by trevor noah trevor noah and uh, I saw it at Barnes and Noble the other day. Actually, picked it up, looked at the back cover, and then set it back down. But I will go back and pick it back up. <laughs> Buy it, support local. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So cool. Hey, Kat, thanks so much for being yeah, here. For I know it was super me. random. It was like yesterday in the lobby. I'm like, hey, you should come back tomorrow <laughs> and update us on how you're doing. And uh, so you awesome. were so gracious in doing so. And uh, it's awesome. We're all doing a great job on the teaching series. Lots of great uh, feedback from that. This that week. Amazing. This is a big week for us. This is our biggest week of the summer. Friday night is our Drinks for Drinks event. Uh, we're going to raise an, a boatload of money for Charity Water, which is an organization that uh, works with uh, uh, developing clean water solutions for people in developing countries. So we're hosting basically a music festival. It's not even a concert. It's more than a concert because when you have like seven bands, that's more than a concert. Um, and so lots of fun activities happening that evening, seven o'clock, $5 cover gets you in, uh, our beers being donated by ice Harbor. We've got wine from lots of different sources. It's going to be just a super fun, cool event. Vanilla Sunday's doing a live podcast recording. We're going to have a stage back in the alley with some outdoor games, food trucks, uh, live comedy, um, really like the competition for what's cooler to do in the Tri-Cities on Friday night. I, I, I can't, I can't think of anything cooler than that. So we'd love to have you come out uh, for that. Uh, tickets are available at drinksfordrinks.com uh, or, or even, at the door or at the door. You can show up at the door and do that. Um, it, I sleep better when you buy tickets, but I don't care. Like I, I, I don't, I don't mind not sleeping very well this week. I'll be fine. Saturday I'll sleep in great. I'm sure. So. And can I, can I steal a tiny bit of thunder? Just Please because do. with cat here, I feel like it's fitting the next day. So if you're like drinks or drinks was the best night of my life, I just want to stay in this moment. The very next day, in the very same place, we're having another fundraiser that goes to to help human trafficking survivors uh, in the state of awesome. Washington. Yeah. And so it's it's more of like a wine night. It's a little it's a little bit more highbrow, a little more classy. And uh, <laughs> you, you know the guy that's playing it. He's like it's kind of like a mullet. We got a party we gotta, in the yeah, front. Exactly. Party in the business back. In a little the business back. in the front. We just do it on Saturday. <laughs> or business party in the, the back. back. 
Uh, you look, oh, what's it's a the guy? Mullet. I should, <laughs> that's what we should do. I should know who the artist is. They just have Evan one. Evan Egger. And I, I guess he's amazing. He yeah. just got signed in Nashville. So yeah. if you local artist, but like is is making it big. So on if the you Christian had tons media. of fun and drinks or drinks, and you're like, I still like want to go out, but maybe something a little bit more low key, but also for a great cause, human right. trafficking. Yeah. Uh, Project Rescue Freedom is the organization, and they're having their event Saturday night. So like back awesome. to back crazy fun nights at the Uptown, just making it happen. Making the world just a better spend place. The night, you, know? <laughs> you could come up here in the Sweat Lodge. <laughs> yeah. Stay in Sleep here. Sleep in your car if well, you you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't recommend that. <laughs> yeah. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Say Something Interesting. Thanks for sticking it out with us today. Uh, as always, you can catch us on the socials. Uh, I am at Brent Johnson, J O H N S E N. Margo is on the Instagrams at Adventures in Caffeine. Follow us, give us some feedback, let us know what you found interesting, and maybe, just maybe, we'll incorporate it into this podcast in the future. Have a great week, guys. See you next week.